Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust. Welcome to Inside the Chamber. I'm Kaylin Riswold, President and CEO of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. And I'm new to the position, which leads us right into today's topic, change. I'm joined by Adam Russo, founder and CEO of the Behavioral Health Group Edgewood Clinical Services, as well as Aaron Cash, Director of OEM Programs at Dealer Inspire. Thank you both for joining me today. And let's dive right in. Um, change, it sounds like such a scary word. Adam, why is that? Change is funny, right? I mean, everyone talks about, they don't like change, but I haven't met one person who lives a life that doesn't change. <laughs> so it's funny how we uh, ha really struggle as individuals. We crave security and predictability, but yet it never comes. So our mentality and attitudes around change, it's important to really think about being open and expecting it rather than try to hold the status quo for as long as possible because the odds are it's just never gonna happen. So change isn't a bad word. It's, it's, it's definitely gonna happen one way, no matter how we slice it. And so being able to be open to it and receptive to it is only gonna help us when we actually have to cope with the change that's eventually coming. Yeah, and Aaron at Dealer Inspire, I know um, there's a lot of change there that you're dealing with as well. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. So prior to my role as director of OEM programs, I was actually director of people operations. And so Dealer Inspire has been through a growth period for the last six years. And that's about as long as I've been there. So no stranger <laughs> to change. Um, but we embrace that constant. We know that change is eminent in a growing company. And so we like to look at that as opportunity and um, really just kind of help our employees understand that maybe what you did today and how you did it today is going to look different tomorrow just by the nature of the business. So we try to be very upfront as we bring people on to make sure this is a culture of change and innovation. Innovation drives change. And so if that's something that you embrace in your life, you're gonna be very successful at DI. And we try to just continue to nurture that mentality expect the expected, which is change. Yeah. And do you think that if you tell them that ahead of time that they're, they fit in better at the culture? Um, well, I think it definitely prepares them for what they're about to dive into. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, we always like to make sure it's a good fit on both sides. Um, if the candidate wants to work with us and we want to work with them, that's great, as long as they understand the culture and what needs to happen um, inside the organization on a, a daily basis. What we want to do is make sure everyone is eyes wide open. We know that some people are change adverse or you know, they prefer not to. And we're not opposed to hiring people that take a little bit longer to process change. We know they can be some of our greatest advocates once they're on board. Um, we just wanna make sure everyone is aware that what they see today in the company may not be true three months from now just because of the growth. And we run into the same things. Our, our number of our staff has almost tripled over the past probably two and a half years. And so systems that used to work with, you know, 20 or 30 employees don't work with 120 Absolutely. employees. And so, <laughs> uh, and, and so there's a constant evolution of how, how do you keep things efficient uh, internally? And then on the flip side is when we, just with number of providers and things that you're able to do, how can we, how can we be innovative? Um, you know, working in the, in the healthcare field, you know, there, there's insurance bounds and there's these certain rules that you have to play by on one hand, but there's certainly a lot of room for innovation on the other. And so how do we get creative in trying to put together things that aren't typical? And I think, 
you know, especially in the behavioral health field, you know, when, when all these behavioral health theories and all these things were created, it was, you know, 100 years ago. Um, if behavioral health were created today, it wouldn't be created without technology. Hmm. And so you're talking about how do you uneven, even undo some education or relearn or reformulate what people have learned over time because we just weren't taught in some of these different um, you know, different different concepts, and so the the idea of how do we perpetually change what we're doing overall to better deliver quality of care uh, and get outside of even our training is is a, is a struggle at times. So it's kind of like that saying of if you're not moving forwards, you're moving backwards. It's exactly it, and it's so easy to get stuck. I mean, you know, if you look at corporations over time, I and mean, look at you know Fortune. 500 companies from 30 years ago, how many of them are there today? And so much of it is because either a lack of innovation or a lack of an ability to change. And what's interesting about people is that we also like change just when we don't have to do it, right? I mean, <laughs> like if you think about all the disruptors who develop cell phones and things like that, it was great that these people developed it, but if, <laughs> but, but if you were actually a part of that, it would feel uncomfortable to actually be a part of change. And so we, while we really like the benefits of change that happened, we just don't want to actually have to make the shift. And so we have that, I think, uh, ambivalence uh, as individuals with it. Interesting point. And yeah. Aaron, how do you see that, um, especially when you're dealing, you know, people operations, that's such a cool title, of how do you support people as they're coming in and they may be change adverse or they may be excited for change? How do you help support that and foster that? Yeah, absolutely. For us, um, in the organization, we have five tenants. Uh, communicate, innovate, learn, be transparent, and give back. And so we're really trying to employ those five, especially when we're going through change and keeping an open line of communication, especially if someone's changing from one manager to another, making sure they have a discussion on here's what I need to be successful or here's how you can be successful in the team. And just keeping that communication open, I think is key and helping understand why. We're really big on the why. We wanna make sure our employees know if something is changing, why and how is it going to benefit them. Even if it's going to take a while to process, at least they can drive back to, this is how it's going to be good for the organization and this is how ultimately it will benefit me and my role and my growth opportunities. So just constant communication I think is, is key. I always like to think the sixth tenant that's hidden on the wall is flexibility, okay. right? So being flexible, that's how some of our most successful employees have gotten by is just being successful and open. So for the business owner um, or the employee who's watching, what are some tips that you can give them on how to embrace change other than just have an open mind? Or is that really what you most need when you're talking about change? Yeah, I mean, it, like, like what you were saying, I mean, it's, it's so much of it is about the, the, the attitude, the, the premise of the attitude in the first place. If the premise of the attitude is I'm gonna do what I wanna do because this is what I do, you're going to run into a wall because eventually you're going to have to shift. If the attitude is we're always going to be constantly shifting, changing, evolving, flexing, um, and whether it's whether I'm working just as a solopreneur or I'm running, you know, a business, the the reality is is that the attitude that one is projecting is what everyone else is going to take in. So if if a leader is kind of centered on this place of we're going to keep it this way because this is how we've always done it, everyone's going to hate change. If the attitude is we are always going to change, we're always looking for innovation, and the research says too that. That, that quantity of ideas that people throw out lead to quality of ideas. And so, so the fact that um, just because there's a lot of ideas out there doesn't necessarily mean we, everything has to shift on those ideas, but the constant generation of ideas actually leads to better ideas. And if, if a culture stifles that process, then it's really difficult for an organization to ultimately change in a good way. Erin, what else do you see um, at Dealer Inspire or even with your own change? You just changed <laughs> positions of how were you yeah. able to kind of communicate that and embrace that? Absolutely. I think just understanding my own why and my interest in, in changing a role and making sure 
um, Joe, our CEO, and the other executives in the organization understood why that was important for me. And just kind of digging in and educating myself on what is this new role and how can I take what I've learned here and apply it there. Um, it's really been, for me, helpful to embrace the change because everything is a little bit different. Every day is different, but I thrive in that environment. I like to know um, how I can contribute differently or bring a different perspective to what's going on. I try to encourage the team to think that way too. Is if you're experiencing something, there's, a, there's an opportunity for you to share that with the team or help other people feel more comfortable. So really just kind of dig in. And, and I like the idea of uh, quantity brings quality. Because I think not just grabbing onto the first idea that comes out, but continuing to have that open culture of what else, what else, what else, and then taking a look at everything that was generated. I think that's a great way to approach change. And being realistic. So um, I'm new at the chamber, and there's been a lot of change. You know, we added a staff member. We're adding some new committees. There's a lot that's changing, and I think the thing that I've realized through change is um, how to be realistic about it. There's things that I want to update, and it may not, I might not get to it in 2020, um, and that's okay. And so embracing that, but at the same time, realizing kind of what needs to have a fire and get done quickly. We just launched our diversity and inclusion committee. Really exciting. That's a idea that I had, and um, now it's live. It's real. And so we're seeing a lot of change, and it's been great for me to have people embrace my change in leadership, my change in style, and kind of vision for the chamber. So I think change very much works both ways of I'm embracing the change, and the staff is embracing the change. <laughs> um, but the community is as well. And I think that's been really great is having a welcoming community. And I feel like that's made my transition a little bit better is having that mentality of change is constant. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it is. And I think the more that you can have you know, the buy-in and especially the, the leadership around it, when, when a leader seems to embrace change, everyone else typically feels comfortable with it too. Um, it's, when, it's when people in leadership roles hate change that it gets to be a little bit harder. So that is, I think, the burden on leaders is, is to get comfortable with moving forward because things are not going to stay stagnant. And do you think, so if you're an employee who has a leader who is one of those leaders who doesn't necessarily embrace change, what can they do to help their own professional growth? Or if they're seeing change, um, do they have to change positions? Or is there something they can do to help foster that in their own culture? I'm a believer that anybody can be innovative. And so just because a leader isn't necessarily championing it, if somebody is an innovator, that they should continue to innovate. Because if they continue to innovate, the, the, again, that quantity of idea will lead to quality. And I think eventually those ideas do get heard by the people who need to hear them. Uh, it just not, might not be in the way that the employee would like it to go. So, But I think it's fair to, to trust the process of the more ideas that can be put out, the better, um, the, the more it will get communicated organizationally. And the people who innovate in the end, I think, will be successful uh, how, wherever, they just, wherever they go. Yeah, and again, change isn't immediate. It takes time. And is that something that you see that it takes time um, for change sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if, if one method of trying to, to push change isn't working, try to find another way to it. Find some advocates inside your own organization that can help you champion that effort. Um, and really just illustrate that why. If you've got a manager that's a little change adverse, here's why it could be beneficial for you in particular, but the organization at large. I think just continuing to embrace it and kind of push for it is a great way to, to get things done and to, to motivate other people to think differently too. 
and I think the hard part with change is that culturally we tend to value uh, accuracy and precision. And the problem with change is that you can't ever really guarantee that the change is going to be accurate or precise. And so um, people, that, that's another reason why I think a lot of leaders get uncomfortable because they start, if they, want, if they make a change, they want it to work. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think it's getting comfortable with the fact that it just might not work. And it, just because it didn't work doesn't mean it failed. Right. You just learn something different to be able to move on to the next idea that's going to be better than the past one. And I think uh, culturally, as we get stuck on this precision uh, perspective, it makes it really hard um, because we feel like we have to be right that first time. But again, if, if quantity of ideas leads to better quality, the odds of getting the perfect idea the first time are very low. So that's where it's just important to be able to not look at it as success or failure, just as a step forward, and you never actually get to the end. And so looking at it as a process rather than uh, having an endpoint, I think is helpful um, when, when looking at the whole view of it. Yeah, I would, I would say just to add to that quickly, um, as a manager or for managers, if they can embrace a, a culture of like failure is okay or like failure leads to success, mm -hmm. I think that helps employees embrace that and kind of champion that effort. If they're always concerned about what happens if I fail or I, I said this was going to work and now it didn't, um, that stifles kind of the effort. But if a manager can say, hey, it didn't work. We tried it, it didn't work. What else you got? I think that really helps people kind of keep that snowball going keep those ideas rolling. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, quantity leads to good quality. I like that. That's great. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be right back. Naperville Bank and Trust has the expertise, knowledge, and experience to help you reach your business goals. We would prefer to work with somebody like Naperville Bank and Trust. They're engaged in the community. They're able to help meet our financial needs. They understand us as a business. They provide all the tools that you would ask uh, that we as a growing business need of a bank. Most importantly to me, it's a, a great personal relationship we have with Tom and John and, and our bankers. It was the best thing we could have done in banking. And banking can be very cold. What the bank brings to us is, is that warm feeling when you come into the bank and people say, hi, Greg. It's about being part of the community again, about being a name again, about having credit for who your business is instead of just being, well, instead of just being a number. Naperville Bank and Trust, bring it home. I'm here with Lindsay Ewing. Lindsay is the Director of Events and Programming at the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. And Lindsay, we're here to talk events. So what's the next big event coming up? So our next big event that we've got coming up is State of the City. Uh, it's a really great event that the Chamber puts on annually. And um, we do it in partnership with the City of Naperville. And uh, who should attend the event? I mean, honestly, anybody is welcome to attend, um, members and non-members. Um, but it's especially relevant to those that uh, live in the community and also those that work here or have a vested interest in the community. About how many people come out? Uh, we're hoping to see about 5 to 550 this year. Um, that's generally what we've seen in the past. So it's one of our largest attended events. So yeah, we're pretty excited. Yeah, and it's a signature event and Correct. it's a luncheon with a program. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, guests will arrive, they'll get registered and they'll get checked in, go inside. Uh, they'll be seated for lunch and then we'll start the programming. So uh, Mayor Chirko will 
run through just some of the, um, like a recap from the past year. Um, he might talk through some of the city finances and budgeting. Um, we'll talk through maybe some of the big wins with regards to economic development. And uh, I think he'll thank um, a lot of you know the, the city um, councilmen and anybody that really has been helping champion the city and making um, a big change and making Naperville so prosperous. Absolutely, and it's a great showing for our businesses to see where the community's at, where Naperville's at, and an awesome partnership for us. How has that partnership been working? Uh, it's been amazing. The, the city is so great to work with. They're fantastic, and they are so helpful. They've got so many great ideas on um, you know what that, um, that presentation really should look like and how they should drive that and how it can be different from year over year. So they've been an, amazing partners. Yeah, and having so many people, is this our largest attended event? It is. It's okay. the largest attended event for the chamber, um, yeah, year over year. That's exciting. And yeah. it's my first state of the city. so Mine I'm as well. <laughs> yeah, and Lindsay um, is new to the position, as am I. So it's exciting to kind of get in mm -hmm. and see 500 people. And it's at a new location this year. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, so this year we're actually going to be hosting it at um, the Marriott. So we're really excited about that. It's just one right over on Naper Boulevard. Um, and it, it's going to be great. We've had it at Embassy in the past, which has been amazing. Um, but we're, we're really excited for a little bit of a change of venue this year. Yeah, new year, new venue. And I'm excited. New team. Yeah, new team. <laughs> I'm excited to really see what the event's going to look like and Me to hear the state yeah. of our city and what a great um, position for the chamber to be in that we can have that partnership and really um, promote ourselves as leader in the community by putting on the state of the city. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's really exciting. Um, like I said, we got a bit of a sneak peek into what some of the presentation's going to be. So, um, mm -hmm. it's yeah, <laughs> it's going to be uh, really great and it's super relevant for everybody and they're going to get a lot of great takeaways. So, yeah, we're really um, looking forward to yeah. having everybody there. And as you said, it's not just for members. Nope, totally open to any anybody in the community, anybody outside of the community. Um, and yeah, we've got just a member and a non-member rate. Awesome. And um, when is it? Can you give us, and how do I register? So it's March 16th, um, and it's going to be from 1115 to 1. And you can just go ahead onto our website and go to the events tab, and you can register there. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you and look forward to seeing what is the state of our city. And yes. Looking forward to hearing more about Naperville and uh, this great event. So thanks for giving us a Perfect. bit of a preview. Yeah. And we will be back with more Inside the Chamber. Want a cure for the winter blues? Head to downtown Naperville where you can enjoy great shopping from national favorites to one-of-a-kind boutiques. Dine at over 50 restaurants from fine dining to casual, there's something for everyone. Enjoy a day at one of our many spas or a fun night out with friends. And don't forget about our Riverwalk Hotel, Hotel Indigo, you can make a weekend of it. Come shop, dine, and have fun in downtown Naperville. We're proud to call Naperville our hometown, where you can enjoy simple pleasures, such as a stroll along the river walk or the excitement of a Friday night football game. It's where families can raise their children and plant their roots for generations to come. And so we're proud to be the city's nonprofit television station, keeping residents connected and informed through video storytelling on air and online. We ask that you continue to watch and share the stories about this wonderful town we call home. Our spotlight today is on Ian Holtzauer, the new chairman of the Board of Directors for the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce, who is also a partner at the law firm of Nagel, Obarski & Holtzauer. 
So Ian, let's dive right in. How did you get involved with the Chamber? Yeah, I very clearly remember my first day at a Chamber event. So I went to a Young Professionals Network event and I really didn't know what to expect. Honestly, I wasn't sure I'd ever go back. Um, but the, when I walked in the door, I was greeted very warmly by um, Jessica Hall, now with Philly Hewins. Um, and she said, you know, welcome to YPN. We're a part of the chamber. Um, here's what we do. Here's how you can get involved. And it was such a warm welcome. It honestly was, it so far exceeded my expectations. And she sat me down with people that I could talk to who uh, gave me that warm introduction, and I've always felt from that point forward like I was welcome in the chamber, like there was a place for me, like there was a leadership opportunity for me, and um, and this has really become a family for me. And from that first YPN meeting to now board chair, how does that trajectory look? Um, I think it one of the best things about the chamber is it's an opportunity to get involved, to help make this a better community in all kinds of different ways. So whether you're somebody that cares a lot about um, women in business and women's issues, whether you're a young professional looking to get his or her feet wet, whether you are somebody that's interested in diversity and inclusion, in corporate social responsibility, we have so many um, committees where you can get involved and then after a year or two of involvement like me, you can step up and get on the advisory board, become the, the chair. We're always looking for people to chair these committees. Like we need leaders in our community. Um, so basically that was my trajectory. I got involved in the thing I was passionate about, which was young professionals. I got invited to be on the chamber board. Um, got very passionate about the governance of the chamber board, including the process to hire you, um, which was a, you know before, before we made that decision, there was two years of deciding what criteria we'd be looking for, what the direction of the chamber would be, and you know, I think we, we hired very well. Thank you. Um, and now in your position as board chair, um, what are you hoping to accomplish this next year? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, hiring you, which just happened a few months <laughs> ago. That was first and foremost um, the biggest goal. We knew that was setting the direction of the chamber for the next few years, and I feel like we hit that out of the park. Um, but what we were looking for is somebody that can continue the relevance of the chamber going forward. You know, nationally, there are some headwinds that chambers are um, up against. Um, if you run a Google Trends analysis on a search term, Chamber of Commerce, um, there's been a steady decline nationally of kind of interest in what this organization is doing. You know, when people have done studies, there's sometimes a perception that maybe the chamber is this closed off world that is very hard for a newcomer to come into. And that's never been my experience, and I want to make sure we have that same warm welcome for newcomers that I had when I came to the chamber. That's my vision. Awesome. And you say relevance, and another word for relevance is value. And I think that together we can work really great to show people the value of the chamber. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, two initiatives, Kaylin, that I um, am very impressed with that you came up with are having a committee on diversity and inclusion, having a committee on corporate social responsibility. So the um, response to that has been overwhelming, right? So these are topics that are really on people's minds in the business community. And, um, you know, it's just a slightly different way of looking at it, but all of a sudden we have a level of engagement we haven't seen in a while. I'm excited for that. Excited to see your leadership and excited to see um, the other leaders that we're going to foster and bring up through the system as well. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you for coming in and uh, we'll be right back. Ne
Naperville, we know that community counts. In fact, it's in our name. As Naperville Community Television, we have the privilege of showcasing what makes this award-winning city a wonderful place to raise a family, to make a living, and to enjoy life's journey. That's why it's our mission to capture on camera those special moments that connect us. Those stories that impact our lives, stories you won't see anywhere else. So watch Naperville Community Television on air, online, and on social media. I'm here with Kelly Kaisers, the Director of Marketing and Communications for the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce, here with our Marketing Minute. Thanks, Kaylin. I wanted to talk to you about email marketing today. Email marketing has been around for a long time, and I want you to know it's still very important. It is a 2020 trend. It's the way to get to your customers and speak to them directly. There's a couple ways that I think you can keep your email marketing fresh. Start with a catchy subject line. Make sure it's something that's clickable. Second, make sure you have a fresh and vibrant email template. Do lots of colors, do images, even video. Give people a reason to stay reading. And last, take those analytics. When you send that email, see who's reading it. What are they clicking on? And who might be unsubscribing? It will tell you what you're doing right. So when you're thinking about marketing in 2020, make sure that you consider email as a top avenue to do it. Thank you for that, Kelly, and thank you for joining us for Inside the Chamber. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust.